a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the head laser to my legally distinct Godzilla, John Campbell. Oh, I'm so glad of the laser! Pew pew, everybody! Pew pew! Uh, <laughs> yes, hello everyone, and hello Mike, uh... Oh man, the finally we get here, the conclusion of the first epic original story arc. Uh, yes, that is at technically last, true. At uh, last on the movie Beyond the Galaxy. <laughs> so excited. Yes, we are covering the original Marvel Star Wars comics here on the show right now. Obviously, this is a show devoted to all things Marvel, uh, or not Marvel, but Star Wars comic books, which are Marvel at this point and will be Marvel again, but there's a big fun bit in the middle where they're not. We're not quite there yet, but we'll get there eventually. What we are covering uh, today, though, is issue number 10 from Marvel Comics Group of their release of Star Wars. This was originally published April 1st, 1978, April Fool's storyline's got three more issues, John. Strap in. <laughs> uh, no, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, yeah, this is it, folks. This is what it's all been building to. Yeah, this is what it's been building to. Roy Thomas ditching this book. Because let's go over the credits here real quick. <laughs> I couldn't believe this when I opened this last I this, could not believe it. This is written by a few people. Uh, we've got <laughs> Howard Chaikin is listed as both the uh, one of the artists and the scripter, I believe, technically. Uh, on uh, Marvel Unlimited, he's simply credited as the no. writer. No, he's he's listed as co-plotter. Right, right. He's listed with, as co-plotter with Roy Thomas, who up till this point has been writing all of these issues. Right. Scripter is Don Glutt is credited as scriptwriter. Yeah, Donald F. Glutt, as he is credited, is a longtime Marvel staple writer. Uh, he's usually the one doing fill-in issues, honestly. A lot yeah. of what-if credits, uh, but he's a, a big guy in the Silver Age. Uh, big guy in the Silver Age. Also, he wrote the novelization of The Empire Strikes Back. Mm, interesting. Uh, and uh, I I'm a I'm a bigger fan of his work... Uh, over at Warren Publishing on books like Creepy, Eerie, and Vampirella's horror stuff. So mm. a guy who certainly was a comics pro, but kind of a forgotten name in comics. You know, sort of, like I said, a fill-in guy. Worked on a lot of books. Worked on the Solomon Kane Marvel book. You know, Solomon Kane. You I know, do. Solomon Kane. Do, do yeah. you know Solomon Kane? Because most people don't know Solomon Kane. I might not. <laughs> I might have the omnibus of the Marvel Solomon Kane books, but yeah. Uh, well, boy, this ep this issue promises uh, so much action with this cover here, right? Yeah. Oh, and lest I forget, uh, Tom Palmer is credited as uh, inker, and I'm assuming um, colorist. There's actually no like credited colorist on uh, here. No, F. Moley or Mowley is credited as the colorist, and Jay Costanza's letterer once again, and yeah. also we have. Uh, a new credit here for the book, Alan Kupperberg is credited with layouts. Yeah, and Alan Kupperberg is a big uh, Spider-Man artist for a long, yeah. long time. Yes. So you want to talk about just no one wanting to work on this book? This is the case, I think, where like Shaken and Thomas have plotted it, then handed it to a guy to write the script. Shaken uh, and Palmer have done some of the art but uh, are doing finishing art, but mainly had this other guy, Kupperberg, do layouts. So this really speaks to how much this was just sort of handed around the offices at Marvel. Well, like, and oh, we need you 10. I don't have time to fully draw it. Alan, can you just do some layouts? And, you know. And something we haven't really talked about a lot in terms of comic book industry stuff and where it converges with this book is when you see a title with a ton of credits on it like this one what that usually means is that it was a rushed production and that yeah. yeah a lot of people on here probably didn't have time to devote to it and so it was 
parsed out between the entire office. And that's why, especially inking, you'll see sometimes a lot of inkers being credited on something because they're the right. ones uh, like embellishing the artwork with shading and whatnot. And that can lead to some radically different art looking from panel to panel, depending on who's inking it. Uh, that might is probably not the case here because we've seen radical changes in the art style, regardless of who's been doing that. We'll say though, even by this comic standards, this final issue is all over the place in oh, yeah. writing and art. Uh, this is a mess. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into it. This opening cover right here uh, begins the mess uh, because we have a monster that is. Very, dis I wouldn't say very distinct, but it is distinct from the creature that is actually on the interior of the book. It is. It, it looks like it looks more like almost a Kirby esque monster and sort of classic uh, with the scales and the claws and the 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 teeth and sort of horns on it and stuff. And we have Han and Chewie firing weapons I've never seen in the Star Wars universe. You don't know uh, Han Solo's uh, very iconic bright pink blaster uh, pistol. But here's the thing. I know these blaster designs from other Marvel books. I'm pretty sure Han is firing Star-Lord's blaster at the time. You're not wrong. Uh, the weirder one is definitely Chewie's, like, yeah. try. It, it, it's it's almost like they got the, the bolt caster backwards. Yeah, it is. It's weird. They're like, we know Chewie has a distinctive weapon, but we're not going to bother to actually look up what it looks like and go based on a description. Like, yeah. And Chewie's got these weird suspenders on. He doesn't have his bandolier. He's got, like, straps on that are weird. Yeah, he's also got, like, really extremely clawed feet that he's using to hold yeah. off the monster's approaching hand. I love Han hanging onto this rock, too. Can I just... I What I really want to mention is this is the second cover in a row in which Han is screaming at Chewie to keep firing. Yep. <laughs> As though Chewie would stop firing. Oh, I was about to. Chewie, goddammit, keep pulling that trigger, damn it. What are you doing? Can't you see the monster still coming at us? And Chewie's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. No. Union rules, 10-minute coffee break. <laughs> keep firing, Chewie, or this whole planet is doomed, dash, dash, not to mention us! Yeah. Uh, and, yes, we finally get our resolution of our uh, four, or three, four-ish issue arc of... Han Solo's Magnificent Seven plus Godzilla now? Yeah, it is just kind of like, I don't know, Kaiju. Yeah, yeah. And, I and, don't know and, Kaiju is basically this whole issue. <laughs> I mean, I will say reading this last night, I'm going, man, this is, this is dumb even by the standards of what we've read before. And I will <laughs> say also, I don't miss the flowery prose. Of one Roy Thomas, but it is pretty much gone from this issue. Mm, mm -hmm. This is a much more straightforward, not good, but just sort of like meh comic book script. Yeah. And again, it's really clear that this has been passed around a bit and yeah. that people are just like, I, I mean, don't know. Let's just try to wrap this up because clearly Roy Thomas couldn't be bothered. What the whatever this when we talk about co-plotting, whatever this plot that was handed to Don Glut was probably was something like. I don't know, kaiju. Might that mm -hmm. might literally have been what was on the page. <laughs> <laughs> now, fun fact: we talk about yeah. kaiju. Uh, another property that was having comics made by Marvel Comics Group at around this time is, of course, Godzilla. So the, the, the two intersections of things that I love is Star Wars and Godzilla. Do you know and when yet, the first issue of Marvel's Godzilla comic debuted? Got to be close to this time, right? Literally next month. Wow, yeah. May, May 1st, 1977. So actually, no, that was uh, the year previous, I should say, because this oh, is 78. Yeah, this is 78. So, but that makes sense because this is, I think of those Godzilla comics as being very much in the same era as this and same kind of design, you know. Yeah. Uh, and though that one, that comic does have the added, like, cheeky benefit of being set in the 616. So you have Godzilla interacting with the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D., which uh, is a lot. Of you have the iconic, really stupid storyline in which Godzilla is shrunk down to the size of a person and is disguised in a trench coat and fedora. <laughs> uh, and believe me, even if you've not read those comics, the image of that is ubiquitous online. 
<laughs> oh, I've made sure that it's ubiquitous. I have it <laughs> saved on my phone for posting yeah. purposes. Never forget. Uh, Never forget that dumb dumb Dugan once said, hey, I think that guy's Godzilla. <laughs> and Godzilla went, oh, cheese it. Uh, <laughs> it's the fuzz. Um, so we, we open up on, I mean, I will say like, in isolation, a pretty cool image of people blasting away at this behemoth. Yeah, I don't know, because Chewbacca has clearly turned into a rug on the bottom of this panel here. I'm not quite sure what's has happened to Chewie. I mean, it's a real bad look for Chewie to basically be like, I'm going to cower as low as I can get. Mm-hmm. And, and again, Han, Solo, the- Han Solo is just like, wow, look out. I mean, everyone is kind of doing that right now because you have this giant scaly monster rearing yeah. up over the hillside a la Godzilla in 1954's Godzilla. Absolutely. So he's coming up around there. Go to the next page. Um, I, I do want to point out something weird that I've always I've always found issue with this in any depiction of a giant scaly monster in like old comics like this. I think this mm. is guilty of it. Uh, you see this a lot with like Fing Fang Foom and other like big reptile monsters. Why are they giving them fingernails and not claws? Yeah. It's always in- bugged me. Yeah, you're right. It is always that. I, I was going to say, is it easier to draw? I don't think it actually is easier. No, because literally like the claw would be the end of the fingertip just extending beyond the skin and being bone uh. and like claw as opposed to trying to figure out the proportions of a fingernail. That's true. That's true. And we can really see that on this next page because we're close up on just the arm of this thing as Sergey X pilots around it. Yeah. And, and the cloud riders are being like, uh, swiped out of the sky, uh, as lest we forget the cloud riders and Sergey X Arrogantus, their leader, uh, are raiding this village for, uh, let us say supplies and uh, tribute as well as possible human trafficking purposes. They really get back into this stuff, don't they? They really want to lay it on that. This guy is a creep. Absolutely. So no more female amusements, as he says, good. Good Lord. Please die, sir. JX. Uh, Oh, and he will. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, because they're bazacking and swiss-splacking all over the place here. Yeah, and, and we... Nary a, gr- a, nary a <laughs> frog at a chewy. Um, I mean, he's... That is the classic Shrewook phrase for, holy shit, it's a giant monster. Frank? Which, of course, they would have a singular word for on Kashyyyk, because that world is full of giant monsters. Oh, as we know, as we know. Yeah. Uh, But but yeah, here we establish that this monster can also just shoot laser beams out of its forehead. Oh, yeah. What? It is just kind of like, this is exactly what we're talking about with the lazy writer. It was like, also, I don't know, it shoots lasers. Pew. Look, there is a long, proud tradition of kaiju shooting lasers. I will not begrudge a kaiju shooting a laser. Not ever. No, agreed. But it is almost <laughs> always out of a aperture or yep. something in their body, whether it be a mouth or a, an eye stalk that can shoot lasers yep. or yep. some yep. kind of like beam generator in their chest or something. Here, I can't really try. It just seems to come out of the top of its head. I literally, in the next page, when they say it has some kind of uh, self-generating blaster, I had to go back to the previous page once the like visual language of what its forehead laser had been done a couple of times to realize that's how the bazak bazak in that last yeah. bottom left panel was the result of because it, it based on the art there, it looks like he's swooping his arm through the air and has destroyed. A, a a cloud rider. Yes, yes, absolutely. It, it is only with later context that we realize that there's some kind of forehead laser happening. Because there's, there's just this faint little laser beam coming out there. Yeah. Which can be effective. Like the the classic like anime shot of the, like the super thin laser coming out of something, and then that results in a massive explosion. That's like but it, 
classic imagery right there. Absolutely, but it needs to be emphasized more than this because yeah. you also have the same kind of red impact of just his foot hitting the ground, making the shock wave too. So am I to think that's an emanation? Is this fire shooting out of his hand too? It's that's not. At first, that's what I thought. Yeah. It looked like it though. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not good art. <laughs> no. And what's especially not good is the fact that Don Juan Quixote is standing behind our group in the bottom right panel here. Uh, this blew my mind because he distinctly <laughs> died. They made a point of showing him die. They made a point of having him have like a death rattle last line. And then they also made a point about no time for eulogies. Oh, and then he's just alive with no no even explanation or no like, we thought you were dead. This I would have feel- accepted being alive if they had been like, Don Juan, you're alive. We thought, oh, they just stunned me. That Even that, as dumb as that is, would have done something. Here it's just like, no, he never died. What are you talking about? Well, we'll get to the exact, like, the comic book basically calling itself out in the next couple of pages. But at least in this next page, we get Hedgy, our spiner, doing the classic, he, that thing is not human pose. Uh <laughs> Godzilla, he's doing that thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I just love that Han's like, yeah, yeah, big monster, hedgy, stop freaking out. Thing's got a blaster. It's got him equipped with some kind of built-in blaster. And again, exactly what that is was... It's a weird description, too. But it's so not obvious what's happening. Even in the next panel, when that same laser blast is kind of like coming out of its forehead, it's off to one side. It seemed to just come out of its body at random angles kind of like taking a turn yeah yeah i don't know what's happening with this thing turns in midair mind you it, um based on the art it really does maybe feel like something that was added after the dialogue was written it really does and it might have been based on the way this was put together mm-hmm. uh, so he's, he's broken he's griaring uh, specifically not screonking because that would be copyright infringement against Marvel itself, I guess, because they kind of created the screonk as the what Godzilla sounds like on a comic page. Yeah, no, we can't do that, though, because that's that they're just like, that's that's Godzilla's thing. All right. Mm-hmm. This thing's rearing. And this guy here getting crushed with a speaking of characters we thought were dead. It's Wardo, everyone. He's back. <laughs> and And now he's dead. And now he's dead again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, once again, it's creating a landslide. Also, don't you just... Cloud Riders, get at it. You got flying machines. Get out. Just get out. Yeah, the fact that Sergey X is so convinced that they must defeat this giant monster is like the height of folly, right? Yeah, especially when he goes, I've heard tale of these things since I was a boy. Like, they're like legendarily destructive monsters. And he's like, <laughs> I'm going to kill it. <laughs> also, this implies that Sergi X, like, grew up on this planet as well. Yeah, well, he, you know, uh, yeah, there's a whole backstory that got cut here where he was actually part of this village. So this is a blood feud. No, I don't know. Because, <laughs> yeah. Move those sky speeders. Or yeah, cloud move, riders, whatever Move we those call sky speeders. And... Then we have Sergey X. Okay. He is so committed to committing sexual assault that he will kill all of his men to get it done. That is how much I need this. Because yeah, I mean, it, on it, this it, next page, when he one of his men says, we got to get out of here while we still can. Sergey mm-hmm. X says, no. It's got, uh, what did we decide his voice was? Snidely Wishblash? Yeah, it's, he's kind of like this. It's going to be personal. It's going to be a personal thing between me and this beastie, and I still have me a mood to get my hands on that girl, Mary. So we fight till this thing is dead. Or, more realistically, until all of you are dead. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's kind of just becoming Skeletor at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a fine line. The Snidely Whiplash (laughs) to any of the, even to Cobra Commander, it's all kind Mm -hmm. of in. Yeah, so milieu there, yeah. I hate about the when they do live action Cobra Commander. And he sounds like this. I'm like, no, I miss nasally voiced whiny villains. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I do like that that Han and everybody they're just going like, well, we're fine as long as it's killing those things and not us. And then here comes a big boulder towards them. I'm like, all right, we got to get out of here. 
Yeah, but this is also this bottom left panel here is where we get the insane retcon of don't worry, Don Juan survived so that we can have we can write our way out of this hole that Roy Thomas left us in. Hmm. This armor might have saved me from the sky speeders blast, but I feel it'd be a perf uh, it I'd not perform a like God, that's horrible. That that break in the word perform. Um but I feel it'd not perform a like function against that of the behemoth. Yeah. So Good Lord. we have an Don't asterisk C last that. issue of yeah. they're literally pointing out, no, 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 he didn't die there, even though we explicitly saw him die. Oh, dummy. That wasn't what you thought it was. Okay. <laughs> this obviously isn't the artist got ahead of the writer and continued to include this character because they'd only read like three issues previous. Right. <laughs> Oh, God, it's so bad. Yeah, it's not uh, great. Yeah, we get more of the behemoth, like, slipping and sliding and blasting and bizarking and... That last is the most focused beam he shot yet, where he's just sort of shooting downward with it. Yeah, and that's the one that kind of, like, makes sense. Like, if an animal yeah. or a behemoth is, like, shooting a blast, you would expect it to have some kind of, like, focus in a direction that it is pointing, but... Yeah. right. And I mean, really, like going through this, it is just like, and then they fly at it and shoot it some more. And Sergey has this inner monologue of just like, I only have a few of the my men left, but I am so arrogant that I don't surrender to anybody, even oh. the indestructible monster that I've heard stories about. And that old man down there who is seemingly commanding the monster, I will kill that old man. And now I will continue to think about killing this old man. And now I will fly to this old man as I continue to think about it. And then we both die. Sergey X Arrogantis surrenders to nobody! Never! Yeah. And, and I may have their hands full with trouble right now. It seems I'll have to kill the beastie myself. What? <sighs> yeah, and then he does. He flies at the old man, and then they both just get stomped. This whole page is such a waste of time to have all of these words about Sergei X's inner monologue only to have him squished and the very final panel of just like, eh, and he's dead. The old man who summoned the beast now dies because of it, too. And that means the monster then goes on a rampage. <laughs> Not that it wasn't rampaging before. Yeah, and now without its leader as the next page, the few remaining Cloud Riders are quick to fall. And then Han goes, uh, well, I guess that's good. They're all dead. But now that thing's just going nuts. Yeah, and then we get a real weird-looking Jackson face in this next oh, panel. Super weird-looking Jackson. <laughs> Everybody looks kind of weird, but Jackson's really looking weird. And I'm sorry, are those shorts getting even shorter on oh. Jim? Jim has effectively lost his pants because he's back with his people and he's dressed yeah. in their traditional garb of everyone must be in bikini pants. That is full on Robin thigh showing, right? Like, oh, yeah, 100%. Dick Grayson level of thigh showing. Uh-huh. Uh, and we get yeah. a brief argument between Han Solo and his like fellows of just being like, look, we're not getting paid to fight a giant monster. And Han Solo yeah. being like, well, we won't get paid at all if the giant monster destroys the village. <laughs> Well, and it does sort of, I mean, so this monster really, it, the the book doesn't care, but it is like the old man summoned the monster, but the old man obviously was not in control of the monster, right? But it's yet, very vague about whether or not the old man actually controlled the monster. But then for some reason, the old man's death means the monster is more out of control, even though he didn't seem to be that in control of it. I don't know. Like, and the writers don't either. No, no. It's bad, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're, it's not good. I am guessing at a lot of this, but the writing and how the story is being told here is paints a pretty clear picture, at least to me, that mm -hmm. Roy Thomas had written this up to a certain point, had plotted yeah. it out to a certain point, and then just said, fuck it, I need to do other stuff. Yeah. So that yeah, left I, the I, entire I creative stable. Is my main, you know, yeah, that's my that, main bag. That left the rest of the stable at Marvel to be like, oh, fuck, how do we end this in one issue? No, and it really is. It is Deus Ex uh, uh, Kaiju. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I just want to see what he was doing at the time, Roy Thomas. I'll let you know. 
Because, yeah, we have Amaza here, our uh, killer showgirl, who's just like, we're not getting paid to fight these giant monsters. Uh, Han trying to convince them to stay behind to fight the giant monster. And finally, Jackson being like, all white, all white. Now I'm a wascoey wabbit and talking like this. Nah. <laughs> Uh, he's editor in chief of Marvel at this point, so the answer is he's working on a bunch of stuff. Roy Thomas like, is, yeah, Roy Thomas is because oh. he was the heir apparent to Stan Lee. True, and then he leaves for DC, leaving, of course, Marvel open for the Shooter years. Yeah, I was gonna say this is like when does Shooter take over? Like eighty two, eighty one. Yeah. So this is like in the build up towards because Jim Shooter is in the background. He's writing at Marvel at this point. Correct. And actually, as it says here, uh, in 1981, after years uh, with Marvel and a dispute with Jim Shooter, Thomas leaves for DC. So Mm -hmm. Shooter drives him out of Marvel and over to DC, and he'll eventually come back to Marvel. Because I do think of Thomas as a Marvel guy primarily. But he was sort of, once again, the guy meant to take over. He was sort of the Stan Lee's handpicked successor. One of the interesting things about this book and why we wanted to start here with the Marvel stuff is it is such a weird time capsule of so many different things, including like not having the context of what a Star Wars story is or building on a property that will eventually become the biggest like uh, pop culture phenomenon that is even now becoming an enormously, hugely popular thing. But it's Mm -hmm. also the start of this book towards where it ends is this strange estuary in the history of Marvel comics as well, because we have the, the leaving of Roy Thomas and the ascendancy of Jim shooter. And that radically changes like how comics that Marvel is producing are even like done. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. It is. Uh, And that's the thing about, and by the way, I did look, Thomas is uh, mainly writing Savage sort of Conan, as we just said, and mm. his big passion project at this point is the tar. They recently got the Tarzan license. Mm. That's kind of where his big focus was at this time. I've actually never read any of Marvel's Tarzan books, which is surprising considering how big of a Burroughs fan I am. I think it's really been republished. Yeah. Uh, and I think that somebody get on that. Somebody should put out a nice collection of the Roy Thomas Tarzan. Because hmm. I, would, I would read that in a second. And um, I'm pretty I'm, sure that's I'm, like... Uh, I'm trying to trying to think. Is Tarzan? Uh, He's public domain. Is now. public domain? Yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. Um. Sorry. Okay, so uh, back to uh, we got to get Jackson. Uh, yeah, is Jackson is gonna do a suicide run at the monster. He goes I'm running so towards it out. and shooting wildly at the monster. Here's the thing that really gets me about the Jackson is how much he calls himself a rabbit. Is that weird? Right. Does that weird you out? Well, it would be like if a human was running around being like, this monkey ain't going to be trying to do this thing now. Like, I understand he's an alien that's based on the rabbits as we know them, but it's like we're using Earth context. It's always weird in the world of Star Wars that there would yeah. be you know, like everything has a Star Wars version of it, right? Well, and they've made like carrot jokes when we introduced yeah. him and stuff. It's very odd. It's it's very odd, but he makes his suicide run. He's bazacking. This thing's garroring. Uh, and what he's trying to accomplish here is incredibly unclear. I think the art for this was drawn, and then they filled in the dialogue later to make it make a handful of sense. But yeah, he he More is right really fast. The question. Yeah, uh, he loses his gun at one point because the monster calls causes another rock slide. Uh, he's yeah. saved at the last minute by a Mesa who grabs him and pulls him out of the way. What any of this accomplishes or what any of this is for, the answer like is nothing. Like my mother told all 80 of us kids, once again, it's going based on rabbits have lots of children, you know. Mm-hmm. So, And also you get uh, a woo-wee. Yeah, again, I'm really not sure how Jackson is supposed to be talking. Like, sometimes I think he's supposed to be like Roger Rabbit. Sometimes I think he's supposed to be Bugs Bunny. It vacillates. Kind of grizzled mercenary, though, too. Yeah. Move that tailless fanny of yours, toots. That's a Jackson line on the next page. Also, he keeps mentioning his tail. They never, we don't see him have a tail in any of the art. Is it in his pants? It has to be, right? And by the way, 
the idea that you just said, is it in Jackson's pants, disturbs me. Oh, we'll get more into what's in Jackson's pants in later issues, John. Trust me. Uh, yeah, because here he says it in. He goes, got the wind knocked out of me and mussed up my tail. What? Yeah, Where? On, on this next page, he's getting dragged back up by a maze. Uh, yeah, no tail that we can see. I mean, uh, this whole final sequence is now it's like, okay, now Don Juan Quixote is going to go out the thing. Um, Jackson attacked it and got knocked away. Now it's Don Juan Quixote. If that was the plan the whole time of like Don Juan, okay, he is clearly a uh like Don Quixote, like yeah, total ripoff. But what if Jedi? Great, awesome. Let's throw him in some Rom the Space Knight armor and call it a day. Yeah. If he's gonna tilt at this windmill that is the giant monster, great. Yeah. Why try to apparently kill him in the last issue then? I don't know. And then decide, yeah, actually, you know what? We do want him. Yeah. Well, because I think they really wrote themselves into a corner with this giant monster. Roy Thomas wrote everyone else into the corner. So how do we yeah. figure out how to resolve this? Well, we've got a lightsaber kicking around. Lightsabers are cool. I think it's pretty wild that Roy Thomas ditches the book with one issue left in a storyline. He couldn't see this through. And he's right. just like, yeah, I got to get back to this Tarzan book. Though. That's really what my heart was. <laughs> I don't blame him. I mean, he is more of the pulpy kind of writer. Sure, uh, absolutely. And Tarzan and stuff, which is, I mean, look, man, I get it. And it's clear you did not love Star Wars, obviously. Like, it's sort of like That's not like a big passion of his. And I'd be uh, very curious to look at sales data of like, how did this book do in the advent of Star Wars? Because obviously the first issue is released a few months after the movie is premiered. Right. And we have the first six issues of this book retelling the story of that movie. The movie that is still in theaters as of the release of this issue. Absolutely. Star I Wars, mean, that first one, has a enormously long run in theaters. It, 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 pl- it basically plays almost up to the release of Empire. Yeah. Like, pretty close to. It's still probably in some second-run theaters by the time Empire is out. Second-run theaters, drive-ins all over the country. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's huge. Uh, So uh, Don Juan makes his run at this thing now. And it's Bazakin and Bazlat. Blazat? How do you say that? Blazit? Yeah, Blazit. As it's firing more forehead lasers. Mm hmm. And And then then it pees on them in this next page? It does sure look like that because that laser is arced down. (laughs) Hey, look out, that thing's pissing at us. God damn, who gave it all that beer? Um, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> then in this last page, or, or in this page, we have Han Solo's hair color changing uh, a couple of times over the course all of these the panels. Time, man. All the time. At uh, least it's still that weird rust color. Like, this brown that it is in most of these panels is what it should be, but then it's straight up black in one of them, too. Yeah, we have Hedgy, uh, the Spiner, who is this yeah. like hedgehog guy, uh, cha- yeah. radically changing colors. He's been kind of like a Superman's hair, like dark blue up yeah. till now, and yeah. now he's just brown. So it makes him look like a, a really hairy, naked dude. <laughs> Man, don't they have like uh, co- like contact sheets and stuff for this? Like you have uh, uh, you know color sheets and stuff for examples of characters. Chewie becomes a cartoon character in this middle panel here where his face loses all kind He's of going, definition. <laughs> it's and so weird. This, he, has, he has a open mouth, like, ah, but then he's going, Grrk. and weird. his eyes are just two dots. Mm-hmm. And That's then in the bottom, in the, in the bottom right panel, uh, Han Solo becomes Steve Buscemi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And then it's time to cut away to what Princess Leia's up to. <laughs> right. Uh, Han, as Steve Buscemi is shouting, Don Juan, oh no, look out, we've got to help him. Why does he we care about to, Don Juan? But yes, we, we cut, cut to, to Leia on, this is now a, a different design that is somewhat reminiscent of the blockade runner, but is got its own look sort of too. Yeah. I also love, Roy Thomas isn't writing this one, but yeah. We do have to insist, even though we have left Yavin behind, that, oh, by the way, she's coming from Yavin. And don't worry, that is the dense jungle growth. They always want to make it clear. That's a jungle <laughs> planet, my friends. Remember Yavin, the jungle planet? To be swallowed by silent space. <laughs> the pilot, Princess Leia, a member of the Imperial Senate. No, she's not. <laughs> As of this comic. Yeah. And there's a, a, a 
while it's kind of a tossed off line in A New Hope, it is important to the overall like makeup of the Star Wars canon that the Emperor dissolves the Imperial Senate during the events of that movie. Correct. Correct. So she, in no way is Leia a senator right now. No, she's the princess of Alderaan. Not to mention the fact that she's kind of like given up any senatorial power she might have by, oh, I don't know, moving the plans to the Death Star across Imperial territory so that it could get blown up. At this point, she's firmly a general, right? I mean, at the very least, she is like one of the bigger figureheads in the rebellion. She's a commanding officer in the the rebel army. I mean, there's no question. For sure. But here she is flying around. This is all internal dialogue that is just explaining what we already know. Luke went looking for a thing. I can't find him. And then, gee, I wish Han Solo was here. End and of cutaway. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We back just had to have to, that one meanwhile. Back to Don Juan Quixote charging at this behemoth with now a pretty yellow looking lightsaber to me. Yeah, it's vacillated between yellow and white a couple of times during yeah. these. But the fact that it's even been any other colors at all is impressive, considering they were all pink for the first six issues. Yeah, which is so weird because we never—that's a color we never see on lightsabers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, but we have a lot of dialogue here that really is just trying to express the point that as Don Juan is getting close to the behemoth, something mm-hmm. about his lightsaber is making it act weird. It doesn't like hey hey. It doesn't like that thing. Yeah. And also in the bottom right panel, the monster grows a tail for half a second. That tail will never appear again. Nope. It also gets way scalier. Suddenly it has way more of these blue scales. Earlier, the blue scales were just on its head. Now it's all over him, and then it'll go back and forth. Also, it lost a finger in that last uh, panel there. It has five fingers definitively, and then it loses one, and then it gains it again. Here we have the beloved fan favorite character, Han Solo. And what's he doing in this issue? Mostly just like pointing at things and looking at them and hiding behind rocks. Thrilling. The thrilling, daring heroics of Han Solo, folks. I mean, he does get the kill shot in this issue, but it takes forever. And by that time, there's only like two pages left in the comic. Yeah. Uh, And okay, now we've got, I mean, this close up, he's full on uh, like William Shakespeare looking Don Juan Quixote here. Mm hmm. And we have him lighting his lightsaber. The monster is getting, like, aggravated and confused at the presence of the lightsaber. Han begins to figure out that something is uh, going on. And that's when Hedgy bounds forward because somebody needs to help Don Juan fight this thing. And Hedgy's the man or spiner for the job. Whose coloration has now turned back into, like, dark blue Superman's hair, kind of. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, he is just standing here proudly Don Quixote going, come on, you bastard. Oh, and here's another glaring example of just like, how much time is taking place for him to have all this dialogue? I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. Because uh, it's a lot of head. I mean, Hedgy has a full on monologue here, basically. Yeah. Uh, like he doesn't know if he's a real Jedi or not, but it doesn't matter because we're standing up for what's right. But watch out for those laser blasts because they're coming in. There's this whole thing, too, where he keeps going on about a Jedi Knight never accepts the help of others. And again, at this point, we have no idea what a Jedi Knight is. And it's becoming increasingly clear that Don Juan Quixote is only thinks he's a Jedi. Has to be. Yeah. But yeah, so Hedgy starts shooting on the next page, starts zicking his uh, quills at this thing, and he gets it all. It messes up its fingers. Well, and up till this point, those quills have killed anyone they've hit, but even right. they do nothing against the behemoth. Mm-hmm. And we're blasting away at this thing, and now this armor seems really powerful. Yeah, because, I mean, he's dodging and, like, skipping and well, jumping away. And he's gotten way more spry than he was a second ago. Yeah. And... It's a lightsaber that's getting the monster all riled up. We have a very concerned-looking uh, Amaza here going like, oh, no, these people that I really don't care about very, up until this point. Very, like, 1930s, or actually more kind of, like, Archie sort of looking face on her. So it looks like Betty or something from Archie in that. Yeah. You know. Jim, of course, doing nothing, as is his tradition. <laughs> the worst character in this thing. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, on the next so, page, we then have like Han coming up with his amazing plan of Chewie, 
carry me like a football so I can tackle this old man. <laughs> this really made me laugh last night. Because also, I love this idea that once again, they are adding to that famous Wookiee speed. Yeah, you what? know, the super speed of the Wookiees. I mean, because they just talk about like, you can <laughs> you can run faster than me. It's like, I don't think, I mean, Chewie's not slow, but I've never seen him like, how often do you ever see Chewie full on sprint in anything? Never, because the restraints of the costume make that very difficult. Well, that's exactly. So he always <laughs> sort of like lumbers into a battle pose or something like that. But yeah. here they talk about because of his long legs, he can run faster than Han. And so he's going to just run Han at this beast. Well, specifically, he's going to run Han at this old man because yeah. Han's figured out that the lightsaber is making the monster act like weird and is messing with its senses somehow. But Don Juan's not really taking advantage of that fact. So Han's got to take matters into his own hands. Specifically, he needs to be taken into the hands of Chewbacca the Wookiee and hurled at this old man uh, and as then- he has time to say, Listen, Don Juan, I appreciate the heroics, but even though your intentions are good, you're just not making it. And keep in mind, he's saying that while tucked under. (laughs) I love the image of him. There are like three solid panels of Han being just like bodily carried around the waist by Chewbacca. So weird. So weird. (laughs) Try imagining that in live action as actually Harrison Ford being... I I really want this middle left panel of Chewbacca like Heismaning with uh, Han. I want that cleaned up without any of the dialogue boxes. If I could just get the original get art print of that, mid- oh yeah, mm, yeah, I'd hang yeah. that up in my house. Easy. Oh, I, I agreed. Uh, I gotta say, go to the next page. This Olympic torch handoff of the lightsaber here, which isn't even that because like it's implied that Han's ripping this from his hands. Because the guy is, and this is also, once again, always with the caveat of we know more about the Jedi than they did, of course, when they wrote yes. this. But the idea that it's like, no, you could, it's blasphemous that Han would grab a lightsaber is not really something. I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, Han wields a lightsaber briefly in Empire, you know? Well, but again, that's at a point when, like, there are no Jedi around to tell him otherwise. And yeah. there is this kind of conception of just like, don't lose this weapon. It is your life and like your training yeah. that we get in the prequels. So just like there is something sacred about a Jedi's lightsaber. It's never straight up addressed in the movies, but, but also, yeah, no, it's, it's, but anyway, it, it's, it's weird here. And Han's now running at the thing. And I love his whole thing about like, ah, I've never used one of these crazy lightsabers, but I've used other weapons. So this should be fine. Yeah. And as opposed to what we're getting now in the Mandalorian of just like, no, no, it's actually really hard to use a lightsaber if you don't know how, because they act weird. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not a sword and they're not a blaster and they're, yeah. these And so Han shows up and he grabs this thing and thrusts it at the whatever. He, he plunges the blade into the creature's hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I do love the phrase, holy beak monkeys, that was close. And then he does this full-on sprawled out dive on that last panel. Oh, and the scale on this is all over the place. Because in the bottom left panel, he's thrusting the lightsaber into the palm of this creature's hand as it's coming mm-hmm. down towards him. And then he dives away and is suddenly like hundreds of feet away from this gigantic monster. If the scale oh, of this is to be to believed. The the brief handling of that lightsaber did give him amazing force abilities briefly. <laughs> we do see force speed in episode one. You're you're right there. <laughs> and uh, going to the next panel, this is a full page panel of this thing dying. Because apparently, <laughs> yeah, figure this out. The energies of the lightsaber inside the monster interact with its abilities to shoot lasers out of its own head in I such a way that it causes not. the monster to explode. It's just one of those things where it's like, even in the gleep glop of Star Wars, this is nonsense. But what if the monster just disappeared, John? Couldn't we end the issue? The demon is beginning to disintegrate. 
And Chewie is fronking happy about this, man. But surprisingly, the behemoth suddenly halts its haphazard attacks, its massive hulk now twisting in convulsions. Then, the lightsaber flashing in the monster's heaving chest, even though it was stabbed into its palm, there comes a strange crackling from within the creature. Are we to assume this lightsaber went through his hand, traveled up his arm, and into his chest? Okay, so... Then thrusting with... Uh, I'm going back to the previous page. Uh, Han Solo suddenly makes a dash towards the creature's chest. Okay, so in the gutters between these two panels, he has slashed at its palm, dived to the right, stabbed the lightsaber into its chest, and dove hundreds of feet away, hey, all while there's still wait. a glow in the creature's palm where it originally had been thrust. Way too much to ask of a gutter. Wait, yeah, that, that's a load-bearing gutter right there. <laughs> that thing, that gutter is bursting at the seams. Uh, so let's go to the next. So now the thing has died, and everybody's happy. And then the the book just fucking ends. Because <laughs> now it's like, well, with all that done, hey man, great job everybody, but that's gonna do it for us. And oh, Han, you weren't gonna get that girl because she loves Jim now that he's a killer. <laughs> That's the thing. Jim, suddenly, who's had nothing to do for the last two issues, yep. comes out of fucking nowhere being like, I get to finally get my share of the treasure and leave this crummy planet before I totally crack up. And then Mary, Space Mary, uh, suddenly comes out of nowhere saying, oh, hello, Jim. I saw what you did today. You were very brave. And Jim yeah. being like, but you never looked at me before. And she's like, yeah, but I've seen 16 candles. I know how this works. and so uh and so there it is and she kisses han on the cheek in a very not han solo reaction to that (laughs) and even chewie's going (laughs) and then yeah they ride off on bantha back into the sunset like this is such like a amazingly fast denouement of just like monster explodes issue ends yeah that's it Monster kills bad guy, monster explodes, issue ends, on to next story. Also, the thought bubbles here for Han Solo in this last panel are so out of character. So I didn't get the girl. Who cares? She was kind of young anyway. At least now I can afford to get the Millennium Falcon out of Hawk. And if only for a minute I got a little feeling of what it's like to be a Jedi Knight. Han Solo, who classically said... Hokey weapons and ancient religions are never going to beat a good blaster at your side. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the guy who is the farthest away from being a Jedi Knight by personality. And that's like a defining feature of him is yeah. like, well, that's what it's like. Pretty fun for a day. The guy who is like so into the realpolitik of trying to survive in the galaxy suddenly be like, I wish I could have been a Jedi once. Ba-da-da. <laughs> And also, where did the, I love these guard guys with their crazy helmets at the edges of this panel, too. I don't know where they came from, but clearly they're from another village because they're not wearing bikinis. I know, and they're just like, and here we are. We contributed nothing. <laughs> the next <sighs> issue promises, though, Star Wars continues with the search for Luke Skywalker. Ah, we're always searching for Luke Skywalker in these issues, and we've been given scant little reason to think that we're going to be getting it, but now that we finally exploded the monster and ended the stupid story in the quickest, like, most con- inconvenient way possible. We're back to, uh, oh, I don't know, the main character of Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe give him a shot, see what he's up to. I mean, uh, thankfully, we are leaving Jim Starkiller firmly ensconced oh, in this backwater village that we will never see again. For a second, before that girl said she liked him, I was like, please don't go with Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, Han Solo does not need a young, uh, not Luke Skywalker following him around for the next few right. issues. Yeah, how about instead this book, I don't know, continues to develop the friendship between those two characters. There's an idea. Uh, wow, that's <laughs> a wild idea. More. Uh, so that's that, and that's so ends the first original story arc of the Star Wars comic. Yeah, it ends with the writer going, fuck it, I'm done, and walking away from the book. uh, It's basically going, that's enough of that. Yeah, uh, pretty quick after this, Archie Goodwin, who's been in like an editorial role up until this point, is been biding his time ready to take over this book. He is going to swoop in and write this book ad nauseum from issue 11 onward. Yeah, this becomes Archie Goodwin's thing, man. 
Right. And he's clearly going to devote some time and energy into this book. I'm I'm not saying it's going to be amazing. I don't want to make any promises I can't keep. But no one's the, 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 there is a rise in quality that comes That's out good. of Roy Thomas not giving a shit versus an, a writer who wants to be here. <laughs> yeah. Roy Thomas, who I assume took this book on like, I guess somebody has to write it. Um, <laughs> we had a, we we signed a contract with Lucasfilm. Somebody has to write this. Yeah, it's like I guess me. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm excited to get to that uh, and to get back to Luke Skywalker, who has been really absent uh, from these issues. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so so wraps that up, and we'll we'll pick up the saga of Luke Skywalker next week. Oh, can't uh, wait. Finally getting out into maybe beyond the galaxy even? We'll see. That's what they keep promising. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course, uh, send us your thoughts on uh, on all the Star Wars comic book goodness here. Uh, we, you can send your emails to punchupent, that's punchupent at gmail.com. Make sure you like and subscribe. Ring that bell on YouTube or leave a review five stars on whatever podcatching software you use. Yeah, Much you can also find us on all of our social medias at PunchUpEN. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. Indeed. Uh, and of course, the best way to support the show is to go to our patron page, uh, patron.podbean.com slash punchup, where you get cool exclusive bonus content for all of our shows. Indeed. And uh, speaking of bonus content, uh, down the pipeline here, I think we're going to take a, a brief sidetrack away from the Marvel Star Wars while staying in the Marvel Star Wars. And uh, so, yes, next week we will like start dipping our toes into the Archie Goodwin stuff. But, you know, John, A New Hope has been covered a few times in the Star Wars comics over the years. Uh, and yeah. Not least of which by Marvel Comics itself. So I think mm. before we get too far away from this original adaptation, I think mm. we, we'd best do our due diligence and uh, maybe set the clock back a, a little ways and devote some time to how other people have uh, taken a crack at Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Mm. Very curious to take a look at that because we definitely saw a take. Uh, leading up. <laughs> a, oh. a a long, tortured take. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see maybe, uh, yeah, what some other people can do with it. I would be curious to see that. Uh, so stay tuned for all that in the coming weeks ahead on the show. Absolutely. But uh, that's going to wrap up uh, this week's episode. Absolutely. And as always, I have been Mike Gargoni. And I am John Campbell. And as we always say, may the panel be with you.